everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 303 being recorded on June 4th, 2014. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malentano. And uh, we have a special guest with us here today, joining us from, actually, I don't know Canada, where. David Hewlett's sister. Yeah, not so much. No. It's close. It's close. No? All right. Close second. Close second. Uh, this is Austin Evans. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me on. So, and I'm from Missouri, by the way. Just that's right. In case okay. you're wondering. Yeah. Yes, I was. I, I totally <laughs> yeah, show me. Blanked, blanked on that. So uh, if you guys don't know who Austin Evans is, he is an uh, extraordinary dancer, also um, has a quite popular YouTube channel, which is actually the reason for the dancing that you posted recently. Uh, you just recently crossed 500,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. But I, I definitely like I'm a dancer first, tech person second. I think that you've got that yeah. that balance perfect there. I need to kind of put that like on my on my business cards or something. Yeah, or you know, maybe change the focus of the channel. Now that you have those five hundred thousand subscribers, now you can use roped them in. So now I can just dance my way through every review. Yeah, yeah. Or do dancing tutorials. Right? Here's how that, no one needs to see that. No. That, that that's a bit much. I don't think I don't think we do. I don't think we do. No, I, I think I'll, I'll draw the line maybe right there. But yeah. <laughs> so we've got a lot of uh, stuff to talk about here. It's Computex Week, which means it's busy, uh, busy, busy, busy for the hardware world and tech world in general. Uh, if this is your first time watching the live stream at. We do this on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. It is uh, pcper.com slash live is where we do that. And uh, if you're watching that, you're probably already there. But if you want to sign up for a mailing list so you know when we do other live events, we do uh, the podcast every week and we'll have special guest appearances from people from AMD and NVIDIA and ASUS and Gigabyte. We've had everybody on the show. Anybody who's anybody is on this show. So congratulations, Austin. You're doing that. Uh, I'm legit now. Yeah. If you go to pcper.com slash subscribe, you can sign up for a mailing list and uh, give us your name and email address there. Uh, and we only use it to send out notifications for the live stream. So if you want to know when we're going live, uh, 99% of the time, I remember to send out an email about it uh, before we do so. So sign up for that so this is uh austin this is your channel here congratulations 500 look you're already 503,000 subscribers you're just moving on up so i i am curious i've known you for a little while but maybe some of our viewers and listeners do not where did you start like how long have you been doing this were you always did you start on youtube how'd that kind of begin for you yeah, so I started just over five years ago uh, on YouTube. So it's pretty much I've done a little bit of work on like websites before, like when I was you know uh, fifteen, sixteen. Like when I was younger, I liked to work a little bit on websites. But for the most part, I started doing like YouTube videos. Uh, it actually started with like iPhone like app reviews, and yeah. it, it was all kinds of different focuses. But for the last few years, I focused a lot on like you know gaming PC stuff and just general kind of interesting tech videos. So I don't really like to kind of put like a giant label on myself. But yeah, it's pretty much just a YouTube technology channel that I like talking about because it's just something that really interests me and something that I have a lot of fun with. So now you don't, we kind of cover almost exclusively kind of components. We do notebooks and tablets and stuff. What you cover kind of more general tech as well. You go into phones and what other types of oddball, interesting things maybe have you, have you covered on your channel? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, like, I'll do, I mean, I do a fair bit of, like, gaming PC stuff. So I'll do, like, a budget gaming PC every month. So I'll say, okay, look, for $500, buy this part, this part, this part, this part, put it together, that kind of stuff. Um, I also do phone stuff. So maybe I've got this new Motorola Moto E, and actually I just came in today that I'm going to do a review on. So I do a little bit of phone stuff. And then sometimes I just do kind of random kind of 
fun stuff. So actually, uh, I was at a, an AMD event late last year, and I literally just interviewed a ton of people about what the future of gaming was, just completely because I just felt like doing something kind of fun. And that was definitely one of the more different videos I've ever done on my channel. But it was a lot of fun. It was just kind of just sitting around talking with all kinds of people from you know AMD and all these different various vendors and whatnot, just kind of just saying, hey, what's the future of gaming? And just kind of seeing how they reacted and kind of what they what they thought about it. So I just kind of, it's, it's always been about what I think is kind of just fun and interesting and just kind of hoping that other people enjoy it. And luckily a lot of people have. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, look at your channel now, your most recent uploads you have. Uh, th- these are names you gave your gaming PCs, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So for a while there, I just named them like $300 build or $500 build or yeah. whatever. Um, but after a while, I was getting a lot of people complaining because I'm sure, as you noticed, like late last year, RAM prices went up and a bunch of prices were changing around. So people were clicking on like a $500 uh, video and they go, uh, why is it $650? Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I was getting a lot of angry, angry messages. So I started naming my builds. I'm kind of trying to work the prices back in there. But yeah, I'm kind of giving them a cool name so that people are just a little bit more recognizable. I like it. I like it. That's a good idea. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into some of the news and reviews that went up. And like I said, Austin, feel free butt in comments if you have experiences with it or have questions for us on things. Uh, we're going to run through a lot of. Uh, we actually had a lot of reviews as well as Computex just kicked us in the ass this week, really. Uh, and actually, it's still going on. I think for like three more days. I'm not in Taiwan, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> uh, first up, uh, Sebastian posted a review of Athecus uh, Soho NAS. That is a small office, home office. Not a fan of that acronym. But the N2310, this is a kind of a budget NAS device. It's just a two-drive NAS. Uh, he actually came away fairly impressed with it. Uh, the only complaint that I have had with Thecus devices is the hardware seems fine. Um, the software kind of lacks polish i guess i I guess i would say it kind of seems like they built this using visual basic or they did something and they didn't put like the the final finishing touches on it that would make a really 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 good user experience doesn't look quite like the synology yeah stuff yeah right so you get a lot of stuff that looks like this you know, yeah, like that might have been <laughs> Windows 3.1 GUI. Yeah, kind of. That's yeah. you know that would have been great in like 2002, 2003, 2004. But it just doesn't doesn't pop the way some of the new stuff does. Western Digital's done a very good job of kind yep. of moving some of their software over. But all the functionality mm-hmm. is really there, and the performance is decent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's so like, he's he seemed he seemed fairly impressed with it. So uh, you know, over a hundred meg per second reads, uh, like seventy six meg per second writes. Yeah, it's good. Like this, this is not a great interface for a backup utility. <laughs> like what, you know, like if I, if I gave this to my sister and I said, hey, no, it's easy. Just set up a backup of your computer. Yeah, no. That's not, that's not, that's not the best idea. For somebody like, for people like us who have a, that background in technology and you can kind of work around some of those things, it's, it's probably, it's probably okay. Uh, but it did get a good award. It's very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the performance is there. Yep. Bring your own drives. Uh, you know, 113 megs per second read over gigabit Ethernet. Hard to complain about that. Yeah. Pretty much maxing out that interface. So uh, check out that review. It's on the site if you want to uh, take a look at that. And another review we're just kind of briefly mentioned is the uh, Asus Sabertooth Z97 Mark One. Obviously, Maury posted this review. This continues the onslaught of Z97 coverage at PCPro.com. Thanks to Maury. Uh, and this uh, is a very recognizable motherboard. There's not a whole lot of motherboards that have thermal armor on them. <laughs> Uh, it's a unique look. It's it's it's. I, I like it. I think Maury likes it. I don't know if I really 
get into the whole usefulness of it. Like they come with, uh, I don't know if, where he shows it, if they have, you know, covers for the PCI Express slots and covers yeah. for um, the DIMM slots you aren't using to kind of keep that dust out long term. So if this is a motherboard you install into a system that doesn't get moved for two years, you pull it out, you want to add something to it or, or something like that, then the idea is the dust is not in the places that it does not need to be in. Yep. And it's also supposed Until to Until that 40 millimeter fan gets dirty and starts screaming. Well, I don't think there there is one on this, right? There are. Smack there, dab in the middle. Yeah, there's one here. Uh, and there's one here, yeah. too, if you want Oh, it. is there a hidden one? Yeah, it's it's like right here. It's like an exhaust. Yeah, hmm. it points yeah. out the back. They're not actually loud, though. They've sourced quiet fans. We've been through. We, yeah, I think we've, they, we've tested well, this. Well, they're clean. I, don't think, I think they're speed yeah, controlled. True. Like off the motherboard. I don't know the answer to that. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, you can see. Well, you it. should just make a bad guess. Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, confirmed. Uh, you can see the fan right here in this picture uh, of the back panel. You can see what it's what it's doing there. I mean, the idea of it is really good. Um, and, you know, they, they, they've they added other things to it. This, they have higher end uh, caps and whatnot in, in certain places. I, just for me, I, I can't really buy into who the specific user is of a motherboard like this. Um, You're looking for a specific kind of look. Are you an... Because if you're buying, if you're building an industrial PC that's going to be in some place that's really dirty and dusty, you're probably not buying no. a Z9 7 motherboard and putting a system together yourself, right? Maybe maybe you are. Maybe you work in a, maybe you do woodworking downstairs, but you also want to be able to play games, and that's the only place your wife lets you set up a computer or something like that, right? <laughs> so for all four people who have that specific thing, it's going yes. to be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very very specific. But I mean. Asus is continuing to make them. This is not like the first generation of this tough series board. So they're obviously selling. They're obviously selling well enough for them to continue development, continue making them. Yep. So uh, check out that review. Maury posted that up uh, this past week as well. That's the Asus Saber 2 Z97 Mark 1. Mark 1 has the thermal armor. Mark 2 does not. I oh. think that I think that's the primary difference. And you can buy the armor separate if you want to add it back. Um, Out of curiosity, what's the price of the armor? Like, I'd be I'd be interested to see how much that actually adds to the price because I assume that also comes with the two fans. Uh, the, the, the well, armor itself. This one is two fifty. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious then what the uh, the mark what the mark two, two mm-hmm. is. Let's see if we can uh, do but do spot research here. You would almost think they would do the mark one without the armor and then the mark two. Or I can't type either with it, but but. It's always had the armor, so maybe that's why it's the Mark One. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah I don't, I'm not seeing the Mark Two on uh, Newegg. They probably figure so. nobody's going to buy it. It the could. Mark it, II. it actually could be just a later release schedule. Maybe. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see them. Yeah, I, I would guess it's not super cheap. If I had to yeah. guess, I'd, I'd guess forty, fifty bucks. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah that's a guess. Yeah. yeah, that's a guess. Is that is Josh? Does that count as a totally inaccurate statement that we place as fact? Absolutely, because you know uh, I'm looking at that big old piece of plastic and and wonder uh, you know the cost of injection molding and it's got shiny tooling that up. It's thermal armor plastic. It's thermo <laughs> armor plastic. Thermal and it's got armor. speed holes. It does have speed holes for air. Air speed holes. Yes, which is weird. Um, moving on. I uh, did a review of this tablet here. This is the Asus Mimo Pad Seven, specifically. Uh, accurately modeled, numbered uh, ME176C because there are lots of ASUS MIMO Pad 7s 
this is a specific model of it. This is uh, interesting because it is the uh, first Android Bay Trail device that we have seen. So this is using Intel Silvermount architecture, their Bay Trail processor, in particular the Atom Z3745 uh, under an Android environment. Now, we've seen Windows tablets yep. using Bay Trail for a while. The Asus T100 is a very popular device. I liked it a lot. It was using Windows 8. It's not using Windows RT, which is even better. Um, but this is, you know, where where Intel really needs to get is in this Android mm-hmm. space, right? This is this is the big growth area for tablets, and their Clover Trail and Clover Trail Plus devices were um, not great in terms of performance, in terms of just user responsiveness, scrolling through things, you know. So how's that one? This is actually significantly better. This is actually really really good. If you look at the performance benchmarks, which you don't put a whole bunch of weight behind when you're looking at tablets. Right. Uh, it is the processor portion. It's a quad-core x86 Silvermont design. It beats out the Tegra 4 SoC, and it beats out the um, uh, the. It's a Snapdragon S4 Pro, and okay. the it's a that's a dual-core part in the Nexus 7. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a seven-inch tablet. It's only a 1280 by 800 screen, so it's a little bit lower. Like the Nexus 7 is 19 by 12. So it is a lower resolution screen, but I, I think the screen actually looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. Four seven inch design, and the, you know, it's Bay Trail. That's important. Uh, the G, like I said, the CPU is pretty good. The GPU is under the performance level of the Tegra Four. Okay, uh, but it does beat out the Adreno three thirty, maybe it's three twenty. That's in the uh, the Nexus Seven. Um, so that's a, a, a yeah. X86. It's X86 Android. So are people going to like get that and then like hack it or something and put Windows on it? I don't know. I don't know if they'd be able to do that. I would. I assume they would kind of be able to do that, but I would. I don't know. Firmware and all that stuff is going to be very different between Android and Windows. Hmm. And doesn't um, it have a different GPU? Isn't that the power VR? No. This is, that's what's that interesting. That? This is the first time uh, that an Intel tablet, like this size tablet, has been powered by Intel HD graphics. Ah, got it. Got it. Right. So it does actually support like OpenGL ES 3.0, uh, and it has, like I said, the performance actually is is, is really good. And this is a hundred and forty nine dollar image. SRP. Nice. Uh, about nine hours, nine and a half hours battery life on our Wi-Fi browsing test. Wow. Right. The, the Nexus 7 was better at 11 hours, I think. Still, that's... But the Tegra Note 7, which has the Tegra 4 SoC, was like two hours less than this. So this kind of sits yeah. right in the middle of that. It sits in the middle of that performance-wise. It sits in the middle of it at battery life. Um, I, I would good for s- an Intel part to be going... It is, right? and I don't want that to sound like a backhanded compliment. It's pretty good for an Intel tablet. It, no, really. But this is the device that they did not have before. Mm-hmm. The, and, and to be completely fair, this is quite late from where they told us it would be. I, that is I, true. I, they first brought me out to Santa Clara to look at uh, Android tablet performance. Man, I don't even know when that was. That was last year, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Almost a full year ago, I think. Uh, I think I learned about the architecture a full year. It might have been six months ago. Okay. Uh, but they kept saying these are right around the corner, right around the corner, and it took longer. And I think a lot of it was Intel, in particular, was kind of helping move the Android code base along in x86 support, making sure the performance was there. They did one release a part with this where, you know, it stuttered as you moved around the right. application screens or anything like that. So, I, I, so how have they addressed the software ecosystem? I mean, are there native uh, x86-based Android apps? Uh, does it do a translation? It does. In there. It'll do both. Because right? ARM is a very... Okay. And, and it's... Um, right. The majority of Android apps are actually written in, in for uh, uh, the ARM 
process or yep. ecosystem, right? Yep. Uh, so if your applications don't use the Java code base, I guess, of it directly. Uh, and Which you, most of them don't. I would say most of them don't. I think most right. of the primary Google ones do, mm-hmm. but outside ones do not. Uh, then there has been a slow trans transition to having both of those binary versions available. And if you don't have it available, Intel built into Android a binary translation engine, right? So if the application is only built for ARM, they're basically emulating it and running it on x86. So what happens if you run an ARM-based benchmark on that? You'll see a performance deficit. Okay. So how bad was it? 20. I, I actually, of all the applications we ran, they mm-hmm. were all x86. Right? I'm oh. sure if you look at the very, very popular ones, Intel was out there pushing things forward. Hey, you should I mean, compile this for Intel, yeah. I mean, really, once you have the compiler and once you have all that stuff set up, it's you fairly should, easy yeah, to Theoretically, do. you should, should just be, be able to recompile, yeah. yeah. Right? Here, please, here's, here's $1,000. Please put this binary version <laughs> of your application <laughs> up on the store. How, really could you, think, how could you tell? You think they're doing that? Whether, you can't tell. So how did you know that all the apps you're running were x86? Uh, because we kind of checked them against a list. Okay. That oh. Intel provided. Just curious. Yeah. So, but I mean, they're you know they're upfront about it. If you buy, if you have an app that doesn't have binary translation, then or it has to use binary translation, you're talking probably twenty to twenty five percent performance hit. For That's that. not horrible. It's yeah. not horrible. It's I mean, it, you'd probably notice it. Right. If uh, you were kind of used to that particular Android app, uh, there were some people in the comments for the review saying, hey, you know, the Netflix app used to not work on x86 Android tablets. Does it work now? And I downloaded it and started it, and it worked just fine. So um, it's probably not 100% perfect, but I went through, I probably downloaded 30 applications during the mm-hmm. couple of day review process and didn't have any compatibility issues or anything. So. It was a plus. Have you used any of these, um, maybe the older generation Android Intel tablets, Austin? No, actually, I haven't. I mean, for the most part, I've not really touched. I mean, I tried the Asus T100, but obviously that was running Windows 8, and you know, I was you know pretty impressed with that. But besides like taking a look at this kind of stuff like CES, I actually haven't tried any kind of Intel stuff on Android yet. So I'm really curious to kind of find out how it works. It seems like it's surprisingly decent. I was kind of, the last time I kind of talked to people from Intel, it was kind of like, oh, well, most stuff works, and, you know, we there's workarounds here and there, but it seems like pretty much everything just works right out of the box now. Yep, that, that, that was my experience with the device, and the fact that it's $149, which is... is awesome. $50 less than the Nexus 7. Yeah, I mean, really, that's like, the margin's got to be really thin on that. You know, this, this is some of the places where, in, you know, on you think desktop, Intel is desk, seeding, well, like, desktop processors, you know, Intel can charge whatever they want and right. they can make the margin whatever they want. This is the area where they don't have that flexibility, right? They're the small guy in this. In this, so you think they're kicking money into so it? I think they are. Well, probably, probably I, I think they actually cheap. learned yeah. a lesson, and I've got to throw this in <clears throat> because remember back in what 2006, Apple went to Intel and said, "We're going to make this product." you need to sell us a chip that can do this, 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 and this, and you're going to sell it to us for this price. And Intel came back and said, no, we, we can't you know, afford to make that for you. And so instead, Apple went to ARM, and uh, the rest is history, and Intel has been kicking themselves in the behind ever since. That's yeah. true. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting device. I think it will be available uh, the next week or two. For 140 bucks, 150 bucks on Amazon and Newegg, so you can check that out uh, if you want. To, if you want to see all the benchmarks and photos, and we kind of go through the, the ASUS Zen UI a little bit in the article as well, you can uh, give that a read. Now we're going to get into a little bit of a storage block, where we talk with Alan here. Uh, 
Huh. Uh, so that was not on purpose. He didn't say sector. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go into it. Never mind. Um, mm-hmm. Alan had a busy week. Uh, we I did. We posted two reviews, the first of which is the crucial. And he painted his basement. <laughs> no, not yet. Basement's not yet. next. Oh. Yeah, All it's right. coming up on the list. Crucial MX100. This is your standard uh, 2.5-inch SSD. Yep. Right? It's it's a metal case. It's got some SATA connectors on the side. So this guy's marketed shiny. for just the typical upgrading consumer. You have a laptop, has a regular spindle hard drive in it. Yep. You want to upgrade. You're looking for something that's more on the budget side of things, right? Um, so the way that they're marketing this guy is... Now, realize there is a M550 line. That Crucial makes, mm-hmm. right? They had an M500, now they have an M550. Really good specs across the board, doesn't matter what capacity, it's just kind of their pro the model. The 550 is. The 550 is, yes. Uh, so the MX100, they're trying to go for much lower cost. They still want the performance to be good, right? So 16 nanometer flash. Yeah, so they so they dropped the, the flash Mostly. process. The node is now not 20 nanometer, it's 16 nanometer in the, uh, let's see, 256 and 512 models. Yep as far as capacity goes. There's still a 128 gig model of this guy, uh, but it uses 20 nanometer flash. Boo. Yeah, it's kind of... It, it, just confusing. It's confusing, and it almost doesn't fit, like, even in the lineup. Like, it looks yeah. out of place. Because yeah. the cost per gig for the 256 and the 512 gig models is like, what was it? Like 40-something? 40 48 cents when we launched. Yeah, 48, wow. like 47 and 48 cents a gig. Launch prices ordering right from the manufacturer's website. Like not even on resellers, just like straight from Crucial. Um, so pretty good. But then if you look at the cost per gig of the 128 gig model, because it's not using, you know, A, it's using 20 nanometer flash, which is right. more expensive. And yeah, B... It's a really low cost per like a really low capacity, and once you get to the really low capacity, you're also paying a higher percentage of the money to buy the controller. Sure. And like the other stuff that's in the drive, right? So it goes up to sixty three cents per gig. Yeah. So it's really just don't bother with the hundred and twenty eight gig model if you're gonna do this. I th- at this point, so what first of all, tell me I mean the performance was good. Performance was good. Uh the five hundred twelve gig model, the performance is almost identical to the M five fifty. Okay. Um the catch is that once you get to this, the lower capacities, the write speeds really drop off pretty quickly. Okay. So the, the 256 gig model, the write speeds almost cut in half. So you get but you're talking going from 550 megs a second to, to 330. 330. Yes. So, so again, still plenty. You can go back to the argument of you're just putting it in a laptop. Where are you getting stuff at 30, well, even 330? If you're just, even if this is your system drive. Yeah. This is a good system drive. Yes, absolutely. Especially considering the price. Like, the the 512 gig model has a it's selling on Amazon for 224 right now and I don't yep. know if it's still going on earlier in the week I don't know why uh, there was a special already on Newegg and you could buy the 512 gig SSD for 199 dollars whoa 199 yeah. 199 what? that was 38 cents per gig 38 cents a gig the week that it launched the week that it launched yeah I don't I mean that's awesome so it's pretty much there's almost no excuse to just not go right for the half a terabyte. Like, I don't need any more SSDs, especially since you moved into the office. Like we have a bunch of yes, SSDs so now. Just like, and yeah. I was like, the the new egg thing was like was like limit three, and I was like, <laughs> no, don't do it, don't do don't it. Don't do it. No, I don't. No, I'm gonna back off because it's like two hundred bucks for five hundred twelve gig SSD. Yeah, I mean, but I mean I, the two fifty six. I mean, just for hundred. And that one that's was great. It's supposed to be one hundred ten. It was uh, ninety nine dollars. At Newegg this week too. Oh. 
And it really doesn't make sense if you look at, like, the 128 gig is $80, and the 256 is 110 Who yeah. buys the 128 gig? That's, that's why I was Especially saying. the main system drive. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying. It just looks out of place in the lineup. Like, I think that they're really not going to sell, and they, I don't think they're just going to remove it from the lineup, but they're just going to sit there as a, as a but, data but point. But what if I only have $90? Well, <laughs> then you ask you walk you do what happens to me sometimes you walk around parking lots at grocery stores and say my child's in the hospital and I need bus money uh, when really uh, to buy that upgraded SSD or just mow somebody's lawn and buy the two fifty six. You know what I am disappointed with this is that there is no one terabyte model. That's true. Uh, Isn't that a problem with the amount of channels coming off the controller and uh, die density? No, because this is using the no. same. This is using the same controller as the uh, M550, actually. Well, never mind that. Um, and the die density, the uh, the capacity per die is the same between the 16 and the 20. It's just smaller. It's 128 gigabit die. Both cases, just the die is a little bit smaller. They could put more on a wafer, and that's why it ends up being cheaper. Um, but the performance is virtually identical in this model. So do you, what, you think they don't have a one terabyte just I think because they don't want to step on the M550? They, that's probably why. Because the performance is already Sucks. almost matching the M550 there. Sucks. Right? But, and, and if you're a reseller, you're building a system, you want to shave a couple of bucks off it, you put the 128 gig in uh, and charge 50, 60 bucks for the 256 gig oh, upgrade. to go up to the there upgrade, you go. yeah. yeah that, that's that. what it's got to be for. And, that, and why put a terabyte into an ultra-low cost, oh. uh, ultra-portable? Because I want it. And also, this drive is not going to be available in MSATA nope. or M.2 or anything like that. They're nope. very specific about this is a two and a half inch drive only. Like this is, this is like we want to totally destroy everybody else in the market that's going to make a low cost SSD except <laughs> ourselves, ourselves in On the other higher lines. end part. Right? Yes. Yeah. So and because they have that completely vertical integration, mm-hmm. they make everything. And. Actually, something something's also something to consider is the insanely low cost per gig also includes a key for a Cronus. Oh, you get a copy of a Cronus, which is like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, yeah. and and now they're throwing that in too, right? So, yeah, that, that's that that's a good buy. Um, let's let's quickly move over to um, a slightly different SSD. As I pass two grand across the table. This is a... Uh, <laughs> Why don't you just throw two grand across the table? Why don't you skip it across the table? Just throw it at the Pretend bottom. you're on a pond. So this is the Intel <laughs> SSD DCP3700. Um, those acronyms stand for Solid State Drive. Yes. Data Center. Yes. P- PCIe3700. So mm-hmm. this is an 800 gig PCI Express Solid State Drive that you see right here. Now, uh, performance in this is slightly different. It is. It is not a RAID controller connected to a bunch of SATA or SAS-based SSDs all crammed into one board. It is Which not. Which is what we have traditionally seen everywhere else on PCI Express drives. It's just a yeah. set, it's a it's a controller that you like, normally like a, have seen. A Revo drive is basically a RAID chip and a bunch of Sandforce okay. controllers, right? But this uh, is a native PCI Express controller. That is native PCI Express. It is a PCI Express 3.0 by four to eight chan- or eighteen flash memory channel. Data paths. So uh, I know Austin does a lot of video editing, and he has much fancier video equipment than we do. He does. You do 4K <laughs> stuff, is that right? No, actually, I just got the uh, C100, which is still 1080. But uh, I'm kind of prepared if I need to do 4K. I've kind of got the setup here. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> it's good to be king. Huh? He would benefit from this. Tell him what is the uh, peak 
read-write value of this drive as you test So you can read from this guy a little bit shy of three gigabytes per second. <laughs> just a little. Uh, yeah. And the writes are just shy. It's like 1.8 gig per second writes. Uh, and it does around 450,000 4K random read IOPS. So the 450K number, put that in perspective, what is like a high-end? So this yeah, is like 30,000. So 30,000. 450,000. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so do I want to ask the price on this thing? Okay. So actually, this, that's where this gets very interesting. This is the P3700 series. There, this is not going to be the only series that there is. Okay. So this is the high, high end. Uh, there's, Intel is segmenting these based on not so much the reads as the writes. Like the write endurance, like how much write endurance it can handle. So in other words, this will do 10 drive writes per day. So it's an 800 gig drive, and it's rated over five years. You could write the entire thing front to back 10 times a day. That's, that's a lot of writing. That's unnecessary. That's, like, that's enterprise level. It's like petabytes. Yeah. It's enterprise level, yeah. yes. But not everybody needs that, right? So sure. Ken, switch to Ryan's thingy. Yeah. And, uh, switch to my thingy. There yeah, so it's just thinking. Yeah. So oh, there's a chart. The size of that thing. Uh, so there's a 3700, small. and then you can it steps down. So you can go 3600, which kind of nerfs the write speed a little bit, and it nerfs the write IOs per second. Uh, cuts them down by a healthy margin, but it's using lower grade flash is the reason. Um, and then you can step it down even further to a P3500 series, which is really meant more for like a web server kind of thing that's mostly reads. But dare I say or it's... Or my desktop computer. Yeah, or I would say enthusiast desktops. Uh, so the writes, random writes, drop down to only 85,000 iOS per second. Uh, I know I say only, but it still would Yeah, that's, that's so horrible. I don't know if I could live with that. Yeah, that will, that will still walk <laughs> all over anything SATA or even anything rated SATA. Um, now, if you go down to the bottom, they quote MSRPs for the 400 gig model... And I say that the P3500 series would uh, work very well for enthusiasts. Is it's a buck and a half a gig. That's not bad at all. No. That's like what we were paying a year or so ago. <laughs> yes. For just plain SAT SSD. Exactly, yeah. But it's That's... a buck and a half a gig for this kind of performance. Yeah. Like you're talking like a rate of six SSDs. So even, even at the $600 level for the 400 gig model, it's estimating 2.5 gigabytes per second read and 1.7 gigabytes per second read. Yeah. Wow. Now, the, the, the annoying part for me about this is if you look at this graph, at the top you see these capacities, right? So the P3700 is available in 400, 800, 1.6, and 2 terabyte. Yep. The P3600 is 400, 800, 1.2, 1.6, and 2 terabytes. Uh-huh. But then the lower cost option is 400, 1.2, and 2, and two terabytes. terabytes. So they kind of skip 800 and 1.6. 1.6 I could forgive. And I think 800 would be the perfect sweet spot Eight, for and like... And 800 mm. gig would be like the perfect one for... It'd be only twelve hundred bucks, right? And that's a lot of money for a storage device. Yes. But if you're a prosumer, if you're dealing with the type of video that Austin does, or you're dealing with 4K, or you're preparing for the move to 4K, yeah. like an 800 gig working drive for that for twelve hundred dollars is way better than what you would pay for an R4 of similar mm-hmm. capacity. And you're so getting are you going to take this and use it on your frame rating machine? You could. We could. Sorry, Alan. Yeah, I'm gonna it, go. Ahead it's okay. We, it's okay. We got two. Yeah, we have two, so it's fine. Well, oh, only two. And and honestly, I'm probably gonna buy a P3500 and put it on my desktop at home because 
that's just insane nuts. performance. So, oh yeah, insane performance, not insane Allen. That's so, what I meant. So actually, the, the other thing that enables this to go so yeah. ludicrously speed fast is the fact that it's not using the regular extensions that you would usually use for storage. Hmm. So it's not using AHCI, right. which AHCI is meant to go over SATA. Right, AHCI was an advancement made on SATA to talk to hard disk drives, to do native command queuing, that kind of thing. Right, um, this guy uses non-volatile memory extensions, NVMe, so a totally different animal. And uh, it it's was essentially talking directly to the processor. Yes, it's it's a protocol that's designed to talk to flash memory directly, and address it directly. So it's kind of interesting because you can when you plug this into your system, it shows up in the BIOS. Windows 8.1 and later, and um, what's the name of the new kind of BIOS? You mean you didn't have to install drivers before yeah. you loaded up in the BIOS? Not if you have Windows no. 8.1 or, or the update. Sorry. Well, the BIOS will see it, first of all, uh, easily, right? And you can select it as a boot device and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Fusion I.O. or not Fusion I.O. This one boots. Hmm. None of the Fusion I.O. devices boot. The driver, the driver for this guy is 8 kilobytes. Wow, and it does improve performance from about two to two point five. Yeah, two point five to two point nine. So the like the standard Windows eight point one or server twenty twelve R two that driver, just that's built into Windows. It only yeah. gets you so far. It's kind of like using a built in video driver, right? or like using the non RST driver on SATA and stuff like that, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting to think that something as new and as advanced as that is working out of the box in certain instances. If you have Windows 8 or Windows 7, working out of the box to, for a dollar and a half a gig. Yeah. If you had Windows <laughs> 7 or Windows 8, like you have to uh, uh, install a driver like you would with a RAID controller driver during Windows setup. Yep. Same kind of that's thing. That's it. But then after that, you're, you're kind of off and running yeah, that's it. as well. So uh, check out Alan's review. He's got pictures. If you want to see pictures like this of the controller and these weird. Uh, Circles with the X's in them from the... And, and we're actually going to revisit this guy once we reconfigure everything because it was just... Yeah, was, like when you when you max this out, it was it's hitting 50, 50% processor utilization. Yeah. Right. Wow. On an 8-core system... An, yeah. The, the system couldn't keep up. Yeah. It had, it had difficulty keeping up supplying enough data to really feed it. So that's, uh, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So, so I, have, I have one question about yeah. this. Can you actually tell a difference in just like normal day-to-day use with this compared to say just like a normal SATA SSD? Like, is it really that noticeable, or do you think it's going to be more of a thing of yeah, if you're like copying like huge files and doing like video editing? Like, do you think that the average person would actually be able to tell the difference? Um, it depends. A lot of SSDs uh, will kind of sort of choke and like I don't want to say stutter. It's not that bad. But if you're doing a bunch of like really small writes while you're trying to do reads, in other words, mm-hmm. like during the boot process. Right, so there's small writes going on. There's registry stuff going on that's getting flushed back to the drive at the same time that you're trying to load like a whole desktop full of icons. If you're one of those kind of people, and all of those little things that sit next to your clock when you fire up Windows, right, and all those things going on at the same time, this will make that go even faster. Like this will basically make it so that the only thing that's bottlenecking your system is the CPU at that point, because this is just gonna go so fast, right? Um, and uh, yes, it will definitely help for video editing. Absolutely, right? If you're anything like scrubbing along a timeline, scrubbing along 4K content would be. Mm-hmm. Would, would, would How be about Farmville? Yeah. 
Farmville. Um, my, my performance in Farmville. Yeah, Mooncat wanted to know uh, if it will uh, make Facebook load faster. Mm, no. And someone in the chat mentioned uh, Intel supporting Linux. There is already a Linux driver for this. Like, we got this with a Linux driver as a review sample. Yeah. It's pretty cool, uh, and we have we have some other stuff we're going to throw at it. We're going to try to run both of them in parallel and see what we can do. Put it uh, on something like a forty core. Yeah, maybe maybe use system. Maybe use like forty thread system. Maybe. Like yeah. Let's really nice. push it forward. All right, and our last uh, review. Holy crap! What time is it? Um, for you don't know what time it is. <laughs> tool time. Uh, AMD Kaveri Mobile Preview. This is a preview. Uh, because I don't really have the system, we just got a few hours of, of testing time in San Francisco when AMD brought us out there a few weeks ago of the uh, Kaveri APU that we know and love uh, that Josh reviewed and we talked about many times. It launched around CES, I guess. And uh, they're finally bringing that to the notebook market. This is really, I think, where the APU in general, and this APU specifically, has the potential to shine and really make a case for itself. It's hard to do that on the desktop market with the competition from Intel uh, and the, the pre- prevalence of discrete graphics solutions. Uh, but on the mobile side, I think uh, higher performance integrated graphics makes a lot more sense. Also, also, I know everybody's excited because this marks the return of the AMD FX branded processor. Yes. It's not dead. Yes. It might <laughs> as well FX, be FX, which started out as the FX51... Yep, and fifty three back in the day, which you know was actually you know a high performance. Those were hard. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit uh, before we talk about the price. It's a little bit depressing to think that this is this is where the FX brand went, right? That it's it's on a you know a modest performance processor mm-hmm. with a fairly good integrated graphics portion. Um, that this is what they think is the the FX brand now. So do you think Lisa Sue is dancing in her office saying, we're winning the race to the bottom? <laughs> I don't know. I, it, sometimes it feels like that. I, because, I mean, here's the thing, right? So the, the part itself um, performs quite well. If, uh, if you look at the specifications table here, like the FX 7600P, which is the highest end of the mobile Kaveri parts, it's a 35-watt part. Uh, it runs at... 2.7 gigahertz base, 3.6 gigahertz turbo. It uh, the, the GPU runs it up to 686 megahertz. It has DDR3 2133 support, and it is a 12 compute core design, four CPU cores and eight GPU cores, otherwise known as uh, you know eight GPU SIMD clusters. I guess that's the right way to put it, Josh. Um, Close enough. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've you got you know they've got three different 35 watt parts and three different 19 watt parts, and then uh, if you go to the Pro series. Three more 19 watt parts, essentially, that uh, are you know targeted more towards business users. These again are modest performer, modest performers. I'd say good performers, but you know in certain areas where you would expect them to be good performers. If you look at Cinebench, if you look at Seven uh, Zip benchmarks, if you look at SciSoft Sandro, which we did, it's going to fall behind Intel's comparative parts. Right, the comparison to this should really be the core. I seven forty seven oh two MQ, okay. I guess um, that's like a thirty seven watt TDP mm-hmm. part. But almost all the laptops that we have here are using Intel seventeen watt parts, like the forty two hundred U and the forty five hundred U. Those are the parts that tend to be in all the ultrabooks that we're used to seeing. So it was hard to get a real 
the comparison that we needed to have for these numbers. Um, but, you know, CPU performance, it does well. Mm-hmm. It beats out some of the, uh, you know, like the A8 7645 watt, which is a desktop part from AMD. Um, but, you know, it, it's the Core i3-4300 has well, which is a 50-watt TDP part is, you know, faster. It's going to happen, right? Multimedia performance in particular, and then memory bandwidth as well. Um, but if you look at, like, Cinebench, it's okay, but, you know, single-threaded performance has been the downfall for AMD for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And that continues to be the case here. Nothing's really changing from the performance results and the performance estimates that we had when... Josh and I reviewed Kaveri on the desktop side. Where it does have some advantages when you are either doing gaming or you're taking advantage of like OpenCL applications. PC Mark 8, for example, is I would call it an attempt to predict what application performance will be like in the future. And uh, you can see it scales very well while the Intel part, you know, it's actually leading over the Intel Haswell part here. Uh, in all three of these individual PC Mark 8 tests, 3D Mark it does very well. Obviously, and especially on the graphics side, you can see it outperforms as well dramatically. And then uh, we were able to run Battlefield 4 on it at 19 by 10 at low settings. Not great frame rates, you know, almost 25 <laughs> frames per second. But again, this is an integrated 35 watt part, so that's almost playable. It's kind yeah. of playable. Yeah, so you knock the resolution down a little bit, and it's not too yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it, go ahead. Kaveri was was designed at the beginning to be a low power part, or at least lower power, which is why it's got a max power of ninety five watts, and you don't see the CPU really going up above what three point nine gigahertz is is its boost clock, and so you can see from the very beginning, AMD really aimed this at addressing the the thirty five watt, the forty five watt, the sixty five, I think. What is that one, the, the configurable TDP, the A10-7600? Yes. Okay. A8-7600. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, from the very beginning, I mean, they, they had a focus that this is going to be more of a mobile part, and it's going to be able to, you know, perform better per watt down at those levels then say, hey, we're going to put this in a desktop and we're going to apply all this more you know, voltage and, and power to it and it's just not going to scale as well with that power. Uh, so that's why we you know, see it at the performance it is, even though it's a smaller um, process node than, than 32 nanometer SOI. They just have made so many changes and compromises that uh, you know, it, it this is where kind of it belongs. Yep. I agree. I, I'm, like I said, it's more of a preview than a review because we didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with it. And when you're looking at notebooks, it's hard to look at kind of a reference ODM design and make any conclusive decisions, right? Because so much of a notebook is down to the design experience of everything else. What's the screen like? What's the touchpad like? What's the battery life like? And that's something we obviously didn't have time to test with our three, four hours of availability on that. So, um, I, I, I'm eager to see some of the uh, the Kaveri design wins that they'll get, and hopefully they'll be announcing a bunch of these soon. Uh, HP has three already. Yes, Elite Books. Yep, the Elite Books. They're using the Pro series, which is which is fine. It's not a, it's not an issue. It's the same silicon essentially. Um, so I I, I want to see how those perform. I want to see how they review. I want to see, you know, what what they what they kind of physically act like. Um, 
not physically act like, but how they actually perform and, and using them on a day-to-day basis, I guess. Uh, Austin, do you have any kind of experience using or working with some of the, the Kaveri parts? What, what's been your experience with them so far? Yeah, so I've used them in a couple of like my budget builds. So uh, like especially the, the A7600, uh, that's not out yet, right? I don't think it's actually on sale yet. Although not. I know that we were sampled them like yeah. months ago. That's the one I've been really waiting for because that's Kaveri. I believe it's the 8 GPU core as opposed yep. to the 12 or maybe it's 10. I'm forgetting it. It's <clears throat> a smaller GPU core, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit smaller than the 7850K. That's the one I've been really waiting for and it's not an out yet. But uh, – it's decent, you know. It's it's nice for like you know, like I can't really speak too much on the on the laptop side since I haven't got my hands on it. But as far as like on the desktop side, for like if you really want like a budget build, like tons of people want to play like Minecraft and that kind of stuff. These Kaveri is great. I mean, it's really all you need, and you know, it's a few hundred dollars, and you're set to go. But I don't know. I'm not super thrilled and excited to get my hands on on the laptop just yet. It's it looks decent, it looks all right, but nothing that's really kind of blowing my hair out. Right. That's the right way of saying that. <laughs> it could be. We'll go with it. See, yeah, I, yeah. I said that once, and look what happened. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Uh, so let's get into Computex here. And like I said, we guys, we have too much Computex news to really talk about in a, in a reasonably sized podcast. Thirty Every, seconds each one. Everybody gets the. Everybody wants to go to sleep eventually today, and I am one of those people. So we're going to run through kind of them in groups, and we'll talk about them. But if you go to PCP, hey, you know, before we really go on. Oh yeah, okay. Uh-oh. Before we go on. I just want to let you know, I, I killed the mosquito. Oh, it's sweet. dead. The damn thing is gone. It's not on that camera. messing with me it's pretty good. anymore. That is a pretty sweet camera you got there, yeah. Alan. Yeah. Way to go, Logitech. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, now that the uh, mystery of the, the bug has been solved... We can move on. So like I was saying, Computex, lots of news. If you go to PCPro.com, it's all there on the homepage. Or if you really just want to filter it out, you can go to PCPro.com slash Computex. And it filters all of the news that we have gathered from Computex. Here's the secret. It's actually just everything that has the tag Computex in the in the post. So no. I know. It's giving away how the sausage is made. Um, monitors. Monitors are a thing I think we can all appreciate. We having all like having assembled a G-Sync panel. Recently, yes. Yeah, yeah. What'd you say, Josh? I said we never talk about them anymore. We, we, it seems we never talk about monitors. I think they're going to be um, the hot topic for the next long time, would be my guess. <laughs> and that's great because, you know, I've been waiting for about 10 years before monitor LCD technology to get to where it's exciting again. That yeah, is true. You, you, t- you try to get us excited about monitors all the time, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The same, same crap. Up. Uh, so let's talk about what we got here. Um, we had Asus announce another 60 hertz 4K panel. Professional. The, the PA328Q. Uh, this is different than the PQ321Q, which is different than the PB287Q. So I'm guessing this one doesn't do the weird two-pane thing? No. Okay. So uh, this is interesting in that it's uh, single-stream transport, yep. which is good. And it is also supporting HDMI 2.0, which what, is... What does that mean? That'll do 4K 60 hertz over an HDMI cable instead of DisplayPort. Oh. I don't really know what other advantages that gets you other than the different cable. Does a, what video card support that? None. Oh. <laughs> That's None. helpful. So yeah. I'm guessing this is like a Blu-ray player thing or some 4K well, player. Well, so scalers are coming out that support HDMI 2.0. And so they're integrating okay. them into displays 
TVs and monitors to prepare for that future, right? Okay. Because it will be um, – There will be a playback device, presumably, right. There will be comes. a $900 HD DVD player that will come out <laughs> that will do 4K 60 hertz. I thought that was dead. Yeah, it's well, coming just, back. It's, yeah, it's all coming back. Toshiba, they got back together. They got It'll the band back. HD DVD Blu-ray. Instead of it being 4K. a Pentium 4, it's going to be a Haswell computer that has to boot up every time you want to play a movie. Like the original HD yeah. DVD players, yeah. Like I said. All right, so Clearly. Uh, it supports a protocol that you can't use yet, so you're going to be using DisplayPort. Right, so this is more in their professional line. Uh, our, o- Adobe RGB coverage, um, they don't really mention what the panel is but you've got to go with it's probably IPS. it's got to be ips maybe Ixo. Ixo or pls one of those upper echelon yeah style of designs and we don't have pricing no pricing nothing like that we just have a picture of a monitor with a flower on it hey you know what if if you need to ask the price <laughs> i would hope you it's, can't afford it i would hope it's similar to the previous panel and that it replaces it so <laughs> the 321 <laughs> the 321 the, oh, the, the $3,500 monitor I yeah. think this will be significantly cheaper than the $3,500 model. Oh, well, that will also be good. Yeah. Well, but there I, you go. I don't know when. So let's go through the rest of them real quick, and then we'll, we'll do a, a discussion on We had the Asus PG278Q, which was first shown at CES, and is now going to be available in July. This is the G-Sync 144 hertz 25 by 14 monitor. So that's just a retail version of the thing that we've already written up. No, this is a 144 hertz yeah. 25 by 14 27 inch screen. 144 hertz. Yeah. And G Sync and 1440. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. That's like everything all. But it is a TN panel. Oh. Yeah. Sorry to let you guys down. Uh, But you could actually afford it then. It will be $7.99 and available in July. Right, so that's something. That's, uh, yeah, Acer, that's pretty awesome. Acer has the XB280HK, which is a 28 inch 4K monitor with G Sync. Up to what frequency? I'm guessing 60, 60 hertz. It's okay, a 4K so it, panel. Okay. Right, so I think it's the same panel that's on that Asus PB287Q that we've already talked about and reviewed, but they... Not to be mistaken with the Asus PB278Q. Correct, which is an IPS 25 by 14. So wait, yeah. what... What kind of panel do you think is in this guy? It's a TN panel. Okay, so it's also a TN. <laughs> or the right. PBJ. PBJ. <laughs> uh, early May to end of July mm. is uh, the Q2. Thank you for that justification on this. How, Scott. how, much, how much is that? Uh, no idea on pricing yet. Aww. End of July is the. They say Q2, and that would be end of July. So we'll see if that actually happens. And then finally, uh, AMD demonstrates prototype FreeSync monitor. With uh, the DisplayPort 1.2a adaptive sync feature, you can see uh, some pictures of it here running. Obviously, so wait, it's not very interesting. In so the, so the G-Sync stuff is already shipping. Uh, the G, no, I would say the G-Sync stuff is finally shipping. But but shipping going to be very soon. Probably, I haven't seen it on new. And Amazon. that other technology is just in the prototype phase. Uh, yes, because they just ratified the DisplayPort 1.2a standard to. Include it a month ago or so. Okay. Right. So what's interesting about the demo that AMD had? It's the first prototype monitor, and uh, they talk about um, this is an existing monitor that had the firmware flashed and upgraded. That's cool. To support it. Now that does not that does not mean they're very they're very careful about this. Where's the line uh, that they? Because G Sync, you had to completely replace. You're completing hardware. Yeah. Right. This does not guarantee that the firmware alone can enable the feature. It what? does reveal that some scalar LCD combos are already sufficiently advanced that they can support some degree 
of dynamic range refresh. Okay. And it's also that some degree that you got to wonder about. Yeah. Can it maybe only go between 40, 50, 60, like those specific? Yeah, I probably numbers. can't go can down go that anything? low. Or can it maybe not, it doesn't have the granularity that you would have uh, otherwise? Well, mm. if you bought a 60 hertz monitor, it ain't going to go to 144. Well, clearly. Sorry. Clearly. It's the down on, on yeah. what it would be able to do. So of those monitors, Austin, which of them are most interesting to you? Or which one, I guess? So I've spent a little bit of time with the uh, the Sharp 32-inch 4K, and I'm going to... And then I'm going to pretend that I'm as good as you guys at remembering all these model names. That um, was the like KN321. Look at that. You're just showing off now. <laughs> but uh, I spent some time with it, and I like it a lot. But I really feel like 4K, if you could bring it down to, like, say, you know, maybe like a 24-inch. Like, I know Dell has a 24-inch 4K monitor, right? I don't know. Is that shipping yet? I think so. Um, but I haven't had that. We haven't had that one in here yet. I heard, I've heard discrepancies whether that it's 30 it or 60. It is twenty. Uh, it's oh, they, Dell has three four K yes. panels. Already, wow! Yeah, I don't know which one it is then. But I'm interested in taking a look at some of these four K monitors with where you can actually scale them perfectly to be like a 1080p monitor. I feel like that's kind of an interesting kind of thing because you look at like a 1080p monitor, and it's like okay, you don't have a ton of room. But you imagine like playing some games at like 24 on a 24 inch four K monitor. Like that seems like that's about as I don't even know what what I don't even know what the PPI on that would be, but that seems like that would be a really awesome kind of middle ground. So I guess the uh, the Asus or the Acer, which is twenty eight inch, is kind of a a little bit closer there since it has G Sync. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's I'm I'm really interested in four K. I really want to see some of these smaller monitors where it's kind of like we can start phasing out. It doesn't have to be like a four thousand dollar thirty two inch monitor if you want four K. Right. The the Asus uh, that that we looked at that's, that's a week or two ago. It was it's selling. It will be for sale June tenth. Which is coming up uh, for six forty nine, and it's a okay. it, it's a TN panel four K single stream. So this like the issues you had with that uh, sharp setup where you had the multi stream transport, all that's gone. Yep, uh, it, it's a TN panel, but it's better than your average TN panel. It's pretty good. That's true. We looked at those at CES, right? That's well, kind it's of the one panel. we have here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we have two of them. We have we have a Samsung and we have a, a an but Asus. It, it didn't look very TN ish. The, the interesting thing for me with four K is that you can't keep it at 100% scaling when you're using Windows. Like, unless you're yeah. really close to that monitor, yeah. it's really hard to do. And, and I'm not old like some of the other people on this show. I have fairly young eyes. I'm not, I'm not looking at you. I'm just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have fairly young eyes, and I still have problems using that you know, at 100% scaling. So you've got to set it to 125, probably 150. So you lose some of the extra cool real estate, and you gain sharpness of text and it's some like, images. So it's like if you go way back like an old guy uh, to those Dell when you could get the Dell uh, when there were 4x3 screens and there was a 1600 by 1200 resolution and yeah. a 15 inch screen. Yep. And then Windows everything was real tiny. Yeah. Like all the icons it's, it's were just, tiny. It's like that all again. Yeah. Only now it's on a 28 inch monitor. Yeah. And everything's all tiny again. But for gaming that doesn't matter, right? It's, That's true. In gaming everything looks cool and sharp and, and great. Uh, and I think actually G-Sync on a 4K monitor is where it makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's the most likely scenario you have where you're going to be at sub 60 hertz frame rates right. where that's you know most necessary. In fact, if you looked at our Asus review of that monitor, we did like 780 Ti SLI testing with Crisis mm-hmm. and, and Metro and Battlefield. And like they all range between 45 and 50 frames per second, which is the worst possible spot to be in if you want to enable V-Sync or not have enable V-Sync. And it's the perfect spot for where G-Sync or in theory... Uh, adaptive sync would help. 
There was something else I ran into that uh, G-Sync is actually perfect for. What's that? And that's for those that really like arcade emulation. Believe it or not. Because okay. there are some old arcade games like R-Type, for example, ran at a non-standard frame rate. Like, you can't even get... You have a hard time getting CRTs to even run at that frame rate sure. for those really crazy, like, arcade Do guys. Do the emulators run, attempt to run it at that correct they frame They will rate? output at that frame rate, and I've already read on several different, like, forum sources that that's, a that's G-Sync panel running those games, the, the panel will sync up and you won't get tearing or anything like that, even in, like... It's a solution main... for our CRT, CRTs that are dying in arcade games. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a solution to, to, to buying, like, so you can pay the extra money for the G-Sync panel for that instead of paying all that extra money for the weird video card you have to drive that ne- display. Ne- never and... recap a display again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of monitor stuff's going on, and I think... Um, Several G-Sync monitors were officially announced, and I have I have a, a, a suspicion that several of those are making their way here because I have <laughs> bitched a ton about the fact that G-Sync was announced in October and has still not officially gone on sale. Yep. So uh, moving on, Computex, we're still in it. Corsair announces a ton of stuff, as they tend to do. Yes. Uh, they announced the Carbide Air 240, which is this. It what is like that? It's tiny. It's, what is it? It's... It's it's a I, micro ATX. Oh, I really wish there was some sort of scale here because it just looks like it, the 540. It does. You're right. <laughs> maybe <laughs> you may have thought about that. Maybe the USB ports. <laughs> it's for, it's for micro ATX, but it's actually like this big. Like Where's the Coke can when you need it? Yeah, yes. that's true. That was a useful thing. Uh, they got the uh, Air 240, which this is a completely monstrous. It's a completely new design for Corsair. This is the first time yeah. they've changed things up in a while. That one was pretty snazzy looking case. I. I I'm not sure, but I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, I like the handle in the middle of the door. Looks kind of interesting. You know, it kind of looks like uh, Maximilian from uh, The Black Hole. Okay. It's got a bit of that going, I guess. Yeah. And uh, then there's another one. In red. In white. Chip them up. So this is the 780T. Um, that looks... Wait, wait, this, this is the 780T in black. I'm oh. sorry. This was the Air 240 yep. up here still. This yep, is yep. 780T in black. Uh-huh. And this is 780 in white. Black. Yeah, and uh, you can see some. Uh, I I I liked uh, what was the 760 that we have in. Now Lee's doing a review of that. It has the the window that almost completely encompassed the side door. Really liked that design a lot. Uh, and then they have this tiny little thing down here. Whoa! Oh, look at that. 380T. Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, it looks like the size of Maury's favorite cooler. It is actually a bit bigger. <laughs> but. <laughs> this is. But if you look at this, this is a great land case. That is oh, true. It's, it's got a handle here. It's got the doors on the side. Uh, and and they claim full-length video cards fit in it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm more interested in the mod to turn into a cooler. Yeah, just plop. <laughs> so, you know, that beach. looks like it actually belongs in, in like the set of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's true. That, those, that, those the the depressed cases. robot would be using that computer, and it's yeah. his only friend. So this is let's listen to what this tiny little thing is supposed to support: full length graphics cards, two hundred forty millimeter radiators, up to four three and a half inch or two and a half inch hard drives. What? Uh, it has latched side panels, uh, includes both one hundred twenty millimeter and one hundred forty millimeter AF series fans, and has a three speed fan controller with a. Uh, Available in August. List price one hundred twenty nine dollars. How does that all fit in there? It, it, it's hey, bigger really on the inside. <laughs> Wait, did they say was video cards plural? Uh, it does, but I'm sure it's just, just oh. yeah, because it's it's got to be it's a mini ITX board, so there's no mini ITX board with it. It's in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Um, hmm. To just put a TARDIS paint paint scheme on it and it explains <laughs> everything. Yeah. So phone box. 
what you use Corsair cases uh, fairly often, I think, Austin. Any of these stand out to you as interesting? The tiny, tiny one, or maybe the tiny, the... tiny one for sure. I'm always looking for fun, interesting little little cases. Yep. Although, actually, you can kind of see behind me, I have the uh, the Speco one, which um, I was actually using. I think it's like fifty bucks. I actually used that for my most recent build, and I was actually pretty impressed with that. But I would definitely want to try the uh, was it the three eighty T three eighty T. I want to get my hands on that. That actually seems like it's really cool. Although I, I will say. I want to see how you fit 240 millimeter radiator, mm-hmm. full length graphics card, and four hard drives in the case at once. I, I bet feel like that's not push. quite going to happen. <laughs> Just push. I bet come QuakeCon, we see one of those. No, you won't. No? It's not out to long. Somebody will get their hands on it, maybe? Oh, maybe I could get one for QuakeCon and like bring a system down for it. And then we can make it into a toaster? I don't know. No, just put it out there with a stack of components and say, here, the first one that can actually fit them all in and get it to work. <laughs> That's true. Keep it. Yeah. Keep it. <laughs> System build contest yeah. comes back. <laughs> it's a build contest. If you break it, you buy it. Uh, <laughs> also, Corsair, uh, if you guys remember, we talked about the NZXT Kraken G10. And it was an adapter that lets you place a uh, self-contained water cooler onto a graphics card. Yep. Right. Corsair has one called the Hydro Series HG10. I don't understand why they went with the model number. It was the Kraken G10, and they went with the Hydro Series HG10. Seems a little, I don't know, too much on the nose for me, but this is what it is. It is a bracket that lets you install Corsair self-contained water coolers on it. And here's what's interesting. See this red fan? Yeah. That is from the graphics card. What? Wait, what? You repurpose the fan. But I thought those were allowed. Uh, not if you don't run them at the speed. I don't know. Oh. Like if you look at this, uh, if you watch in the video, I think it's in the video um, that they show you installing it. Because notice this one has a different sticker. It doesn't have the Corsair logo on it like that okay. sticker does. Uh, and it's relatively cheap as well, thirty nine bucks. So that's kind of where they get away with it. Also, this apparently only currently supports R nine two ninety two ninety X. I was about to ask. Yeah, that that like it just specifically like that fan. Like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me how they would be able to actually get any like other kinds of graphics cards in there unless you just happen to have something well, with that same like, size fan. Yeah. If you look at this picture, it kind of looks like this part of it is modular. Okay. So you don't have so to. So maybe put it on. they'll ship one for Nvidia cards and maybe They they are making one for seven eighty, seven eighty Ti, maybe seven seventy. I don't know if that's the same PCB. That almost not. looks like it but extends it, to a third slot. But it will it be might. a different skew and it's coming out later. Okay. The NVIDIA one is. Okay. So it's a good reason uh, for you to go out and buy some of those eBay cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To harvest the fans. But now you've got to have $39 for the bracket, it, and then you've got to have the cooler as well. Yeah. Right? So you've got to buy a Corsair Hydro Series. Uh, it's getting expensive. Design. That's yeah. Getting awful expensive. Just, getting... just buy a different one. Uh, I'm also, just going to get a new card with dual fans and actual yeah. cooling. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about... Anybody have interest in a completely RGB-capable keyboard? We saw those at CES. We did, but now we know how much they're going to cost. Uh-oh. How much? 170 That's Ooh. not horrible. Wasn't that individually programmable RGB keys? Yep. Every, oh, okay. Each key is RGB-capable. Yep. And then it did this weird little ripple, cool ripple thing. It has, it has all kinds like of the, weird effects you can put on like it. People with epilepsy should get another keyboard. Well, don't put it in disco mode and you'll be good. <laughs> 
the red model available in late July, blue switch in August, brown switch August, red switch August. Listen, people with epilepsy might want this keyboard because you can make the whole thing purple. Right? Where's purple, Ken? You need purple if we're going to talk about epilepsy. There we go. Purple is oh, important yeah. for epilepsy? I it, it, that's the color. So you can see here, like, you can, the idea of it, the functional design, besides just looking pretty and cool, is that, you know, say, hey, you can get your WASD keys a certain color. You can yep. have everything else dark if you want. You can have only, you can have profiles so that, you know, when you're playing EVE online, the keys that you actually use are the ones that are lit that's up. That's true. Right? Uh, and that can be pretty cool. And you can light them up like, these are, you know, this color's green for healing. This one's red for attack. This one, yeah. this group is for that. So I, I think you could do some really cool stuff with it. So, and then the, the big deal about this was that they had to re-engineer their keys so that the light actually piped through them properly, right? The switch itself, yeah. Yeah, the, the actual yeah. cherry switch. Not just the cap, but the, the switch itself. Yeah, because if you looked at the video, like all the switch plastic housing is clear. Yep. So, so it channels the light through. Yeah. So the keys actually end up. It was it, they were pretty bright. We saw it in person. They were. They were, they were very bright. Yeah. Uh, Corsair Flash Voyager GTX USB. Anything interesting on this, Al? So that is a SSD in a USB case. It's kind of so. Beefy. Who did that first? Remember that uh, big ass USB 3.0 one that, that broke off all the times at OCZ or who was, was that? Super Talent. Super Talent did one. PhotoFast did the one that was like eSATA. No, OCZ had an eSATA thumb drive as well that required oh, USB power to function. Yeah. So wrap your mind around that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So it, um, is this useful for anything? Do I need a 256 gig, if you, $200 USB thumb drive? Okay, so if basically I would use this if I wanted to have an OS on a portable device that I could plug into a system. Okay. And can um, you boot off of it? Yeah, yeah if, it, if the system yeah. supports booting off a USB, yeah. Can you install um, Windows 8 to a USB media? Will yeah. let you do that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to you have to do a couple of tricks. You have to know what you're doing to do it. Like, there's a trick. You can't just, like, install to this, like, from right. within the installer. Okay. Um, but it supports, uh, it supports command queuing and stuff like that. It's basically doing SCSI over USB. Okay. Which lets you do command queuing and stuff like that. Gotcha. So, it, so it acts very similar to a hard drive, and the write speeds are actually really, really fast, like SSD-style write speeds. Does so anybody, anybody else on the show have a need for a 256-gig thumb drive? That I you don't could, think so, but I, I want to now. <laughs> it's just like, like I just I like have, something, I want that. Like, I, I can make use of I'm that. I'm going to use that as a, a, a disk to myself, install every should, version of Windows OS software. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That could be useful as an IT person. Yeah, yeah you I can mean, use there's a store a bunch of stuff. Some, like this has every. Image, oh, you think you want to upgrade to Windows 8.1? Eh, run this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like. I have a super talent 64 gig uh, USB. It's USB two, I think, drive. But I've had it for like eight years. Yep. Like when they gave it to me at 64 gigs, my eyes were like, wow. Yeah. Right. And it's it's never been emptied, and it's still not full. Like it's just it's it's the one in my backpack. Yep. So, I don't know. I I wouldn't spend three hundred dollars on it or however much it is two hundred bucks. The, the key there is the right speeds. The right speeds are really high. All right. Asus has some other stuff. Of course, they have a uh, ROG Crossblade Ranger motherboard, which is new naming scheme. This is a FM2 though FM2 Plus board, right, Josh? Correct. Anything Anything interesting here? Uh, who named this Crossblade Ranger? <laughs> it's a question we will never get an answer to. It's got the Supreme FX audio, the radar, in-game enhancements, the cheat mode, as we call it. R- Raider? It has uh, no radar. Oh. 
R-A-D-A-R, radar. Oh, okay. it, use, it cheats and it uses sound information to like give you a radar of like oh. overlay on the game, like who's in front of you, who's behind you, when the game is not, have, does not have that built in. Wow. Yeah. Cheat mode. Uh, it has an Intel-based gigabit Ethernet. It is uh, got Game First 3 network optimization software, and it's got that keyboard uh, uh, macro technology called Keybot, which I really liked. Remember that? Keybot is a microcontroller on the motherboard that intercepts a single USB port. Okay. And um, you can do things uh, because it intercepts that before the motherboard gets it, before the rest of it gets it. Yep. You can do things like hit Shift-Delete, and it will boot up your system and go immediately into the BIOS. Oh, oh, okay. Right, or you can you can do things without you know in hardware, right? You can have keys set to change overclocking settings without having yeah, to go you can do Windows BIOS software. style stuff right from your keyboard without going like yeah, clicking through a BIOS. You can have it do BIOS. anything you want. So that's it's a pretty huh. cool feature. Uh, this is a it's the first time they've done an ROG board for an AMD system, I think, in a long time. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. The last one was what the uh, Crosshair Oof. Five, Five Formula yeah, Z. Yeah. Man. What was that yes. board I just threw away? That was the first so, yeah, one. That's it. What? That was the first one what we was, threw away. What was that? It was an Intel board. Yeah. We j- I just threw away an ROG board. Yeah, like the first ROG board It was ever. one of it. It had like water... Uh, that was a heat pipe. Things. No, but it had, it had water. Yeah, it had the water the cooling attachments too. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, something to think about is uh, mm-hmm. what are they going to price this at? Currently, the most expensive FM2 Plus motherboard is 119 bucks. The most expensive. And some people think that's too high. <laughs> I can see that. So it's going right? to be interesting to see. It's, it's interesting, right? Because you, you look at uh, the FM2 Plus processes are being used in systems similar to what you know, Austin is doing in his builds, right? You know, it's, like, it's, it's a fairly budget system. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to put an FM2 system together and then get a pair of 780s and <laughs> no. put that in there? I hope, you know, it would it would it'll work. I'm not saying it won't work, but at least get an FX, you know, 8 core. Yeah. If you if you're heavy into the AMD ecosystem, I guess. Although I will say one thing about that. So late last year cuz I've been using a lot of the uh, the Athlon like 750K and 760Ks. I love those for like really like cheap budget builds. So I was curious cuz some people were asking, "Oh, this is going to, you know, horribly, you know, the performance is nowhere near." So what I did was I took a few different graphics cards including a 780 and I put it on the system with the uh, I believe it was a 750K at the time, like not overclocked or anything, and I put a Core i5 uh, 4670K on it. And I was surprised at the lack of difference in actual performance. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you lose a few frames here and there. But I was actually kind of surprised at how, like, obviously that wouldn't really make sense for anybody. I mean, if you're spending five or $600 on a graphics card, you know, chip a few bucks in for the CPU. But right. I was surprised at how little of a difference there actually was between the Core i5 and the Athlon. So I could see maybe someone getting something a little bit more high-end on the graphics side to put with maybe like a, you know, a very AP or something. Not maybe the best idea in the world, but it's that completely insane. Sure. Yep. What well, maybe well, it's with DirectX Intel uh, P3700s too. Oh. Go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to say throw in one of those Intel uh, 3700s too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get On the AMD F2 Plus platform, good idea. Hey, oh, yeah. it does support PCIe 3.0. That's right. It is the first AMD ah. APU that supports PCIe 3.0. Um. <laughs> so, uh, how about you, that Devil's if, Canyon? No, what are you talking about? Anyone. Yeah, you know. oh, moving on. Yeah. We have to talk about this. Oh, okay. If you liked the R9 295X2, you're going to love the Asus Ares 3. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a video card they're going to make 500 of. 
It is dual Hawaii GPUs in a single slot water cooled design. Are they going to sell 500 of them? Oh, absolutely. They're going to sell all 500 of these. What's the Cheaper price? Titan Z. They won't say yet. I'm wait, sure. wait a minute. That's going to have to come in. That's, that can come in a much smaller briefcase than the previous two. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that water block is quite dense, though. Yeah. If I if I were to guess, so this is. I mean. I don't have a setup here to even really build around this, but uh, we would but make it we happen. Could. Uh, so the, it's 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 basically the same hardware of the R nine two nine five X two. They're saying it's going to be overclocked. It's using a custom designed EK water block, and will deliver twenty five percent cooler performance than reference two ninety five X two designs. Yep. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Only five hundred will be made. All are individually numbered, so I, I can sign it for you if you want. <laughs> that, Alan. That's even five hundred less than they usually make. Yeah, they usually make like a thousand <laughs> or twelve hundred of them or something. Uh, and it'll be available Q three two thousand four. No idea on pricing yet, but I think it looks awesome. Yeah, like that, that I, is the gorgeous. Super clean. I hope that there is a similar logo on the back side of it because that's the side you'll see in like a typical system with a window. True. Right. I always hate that when the cool stuff is facing down. In that's why that's why my home desktop case is one of those upside down and backwards ones. Yeah, that'll work. Yep. Uh, and also, finally, from ASUS, uh, the GX500 Ultra Thin 15.6 inch uh, 4K gaming notebook, 4K on a 15 inch screen. Be prepared for scaling. Be prepared to not have enough GPU horsepower. True. Very cool idea. But look how skinny it is. Very cool idea. But try to try to read those icons without scaling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anybody excited about Devil's Canyon? Uh, have you heard about Devil's Canyon yet, Austin, and, and what it's uh, what it's actually bringing to the table? Yes, and in fact, I had to delay my most recent build because I was hoping that it might have been out because I had I did one yesterday. I was hoping it might have been out, but hopefully it'll be out for next month. But yes, I've been waiting for this for quite a while. I've got some fun stuff planned for it. This is essentially taking the forty-seven seventy K and bumping it up by five hundred megahertz. Yep. So instead of a 3.5 base clock, you've got a 4 gigahertz base clock. So it's kind of like overclocked right out of the box. It is. Uh, four cores, eight threads. It's, 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 everything is the same as the 4770K, except now the 4790K mm-hmm. is much, much faster. And here's what's crazy. I kind of don't understand it, right? The pricing is the same. They're going to sell the 4790K for 339 and they're going to sell the 4770K for 339 That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why anybody would not buy the 4790K? They have the same TDP. Uh, four watts difference. Oh no! Right, <laughs> and 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 the same price, and and it comes with the extra capacitors on the bottom and yep. a different thermal whatever trickery they're doing. Thermal interface, to- polymer thermal interface material, or next generation polymer thermal interface material. I don't understand that. That same similar pricing. Letting their processors. Yeah, doing the same pricing. I don't get it. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe availability won't be that good. I, uh, that would be my guess. My guess is that these processors are going to be hard to find. So does it got a turbo mode still? It does got one. <laughs> it goes up to 4.4 gigahertz. 500 That's megahertz pretty higher. fast. All right, so instead of 3.5 to 4, or from 3.5 to 3.9, it's 4.0 yep. to 4.4. For the same price. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. 500 megahertz is a huge jump. Yeah. And, uh, and with a I will mode. say that a lot of people are thinking that with this new thermal interface, it's going to be overclockable even higher than uh, the standard has all processors are. Mm-hmm. I don't have this part in yet. Trust me. I, we're still waiting on it to show up. Hey, the overclockers have got it on air up to 5.5. Oh, you're already- yep. my, my, um, everybody I know that would know that has touched several of these processors has told yeah. me that you're really only going to see 100 to 200 megahertz more than you would see on a normal Haswell part, though. Okay. Right, that it's not fundamentally changing the world of overclocking. But same price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
for for me as somebody who doesn't like I don't revel in overclocking as I used to. Right. But the plug and play 500 megahertz upgrade for me is just yeah, you'd be stupid yeah. not to buy it. The I, the issue is I think it will be hard to find, which means I think it will be uh, you know, a little bit jacked up on price mm. when it gets released. That's a shame. Yeah. Because if they're keeping the old because it's there's an i5 version as well, right? They're keeping the uh Yes. But it's only the i5 100 megahertz better. Yeah, the, the the Core i5 model is only 100 megahertz faster base and 100 megahertz faster turbo compared to the 4670K. 4690K is the other one that they're releasing okay. as well. But it's much less exciting. It has the new thermal interface and everything, mm-hmm. uh, but not not the out of the box performance benefits that, that you get with the other one. So, mm-hmm. um, we talked about monitors already. I forgot to bring this one up. Philips announcing the the seamless dual display IPS monitor. It's not quite seamless, Jeremy. What is it? It's like 3.5 millimeters or something like that. That's pretty close. It's close, but I don't think that the picture does it justice. I think they're cheating a little bit on some of the pictures, like that one. Yeah, it could be. Kind of cheating a little bit. Maybe. Uh, the one showing the swivel, I think you've got a better idea. Right, right here. What you're going to see. Yeah. I like the idea that you can change the angle of it. Yeah. Like that as well. And it's, it's Well, because if you're going to get two of them to have four, right. you're going to want to line them up. That's well, true. but wait a minute. Then you're going to get thicker bezels on the... Well, as opposed to having thicker bezels anyways. Like, if you wind up four of them... They still look fairly thin. They still look fairly thin. Yeah. This is one of those oddball products that I think may never even come to market. Like, yeah. I get one uh, Computex uh, Design and Innovation Award. Which, it's one of those. Which is one of those that's like, this was pretty when we did the CAD for it. Yeah. But uh, clearly there was no demo on the floor. But uh, if, it's, if it's not stupidly expensive, I could see it for business usage. Uh, because instead of having to have two monitors and two stands and this and that and the other thing, or dealing with buying a VESA stand and mounting it, yeah. it's like, boom, here's a two-in-one monitor, away you go. Do you remember the EVGA, EVGA monitors just yeah. Say yeah. That, that would flip around? <laughs> Those were a great idea, too. Yep. And probably won Design and Innovation Awards. Uh, and then it just a lot never, of money. never happened. was a thing that really mattered, so... Uh, what else we got? Getting towards towards the end here. Cavium introduces forty eight core ARM processor. Okay. Anybody anybody in, in, into that? We're not to the point of using more than four yet. Like consumer. Well, gas is, coherency is going to be a real monster on that. <laughs> they do claim uh, that was that was actually mentioned specifically. Where do they? Where does that mention here? They talk about Cavium the Cavium coherent, coherent processor, processor interconnect. interconnect. Yeah. Hmm. Claims to be the first socket coherent ARM processor. Hmm. Um, this is a custom architecture design. This is a this is not an off the shelf A fifty seven or something like that. Custom design. I think you kind of have to you kind of have to do that if you're going to put forty eight cores in it. Yeah. I guess uh, clock speeds up to two point five gigahertz, sixteen megs of L two cache, and uh, you know obviously this is not aimed at anything consumer wise. This is aimed at server infrastructure. Okay. Uh, and, and those those specific server workloads that perform well on a many small processors yeah. instead of uh, you know a few larger ones, right? So you look at the Googles and the Facebooks mm-hmm. and the EC2s of the world and what they might be able to do with something like this and how it affects virtualization. Uh, they do have uh, they're quoting I/O capacities and the gigabits. Uh, hundreds of gigabits per second, and they do have a quad-channel DDR3 and DDR4 memory controller option. Um, so there's a lot of stuff in here. 
right? <laughs> yes. PCIe Gen 3, you've got 10 gigabitty, 40 gigabitty, 100 gigabitty. Uh, this is a lot, and I don't, I don't really know how much they're going to cost. But anytime you can talk about having 48 cores in a processor, that's probably pretty cool. <laughs> Maybe this will be in my next tablet. You think? No. You don't think so? It'll be a while. Okay. You really want to load Facebook fast, though. Unless your like, tablet is the shape of a blade. Come on. Like, I'm not going to load Facebook on four cores or eight cores. I need all 48. Yeah. 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 Obviously. Come on. It might make Android <laughs> scrolling smooth. It might make Android <laughs> scrolling smooth. Yes. Yes. Well done. All right. And I think uh, maybe our final story here, A-Data announces, they don't, uh, they, they, maybe not announces, but they are showing the Sandforce SF3700 PCIe and M.2 SSDs plus some DDR4 memory. Yep. Is this... Is the SF3700 a native PCI Express controller? It can go either way. Whoa, easy now. It is a PCI Express. It has those lanes on it. Okay. And then it can also be configured in SATA. That doesn't mean you can plug the device into either one willy-nilly. It has to be, okay, this is engineered to go this way. Okay. And then they just kind of flip some bits in the firmware of the controller as they're producing it. And then those lanes speak PCI or they speak SATA, well, fair basically. Enough. Um. They're so, claiming listed specs at 1,800 megabytes per second and 150K IOPS. Uh-huh. So that's performance well. nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good performance. We actually saw this in a lot of different products at CES. Okay. Uh, in some form or fashion, but they were under strict, like, you know, you can't even run a benchmark on this yet because it's not done. Right. So now it's good to see that it's much closer to done. NVMe support is listed in yep. AHCI, so that covers the SATA side and it covers the PCI side. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, show the uh, insane XPG Z1 DDR4s. Oh yeah, that. That's just. <laughs> just in case you don't want your cooler to fit over top of your RAM. Yeah, you wouldn't you can want buy this. You wouldn't want that. The guys who did the Stargate sets uh, came in and did the heat sinks. <laughs> there was a couple other weird storage things. Like uh, Western Digital had SATA Express running on a hard drive. Yep, I got that right. On a regular here. hard drive, yep. which I kind of still. It was a hybrid drive. It was a hybrid, but still, it seems like an awful lot of bandwidth. Like, I don't know. I'd have to see what the performance was. Was it 120, 120, 120 gig SSD? It was kind of like a. With a one terabyte yeah, black. Think, think Western Digital Black 2, but instead of oh, wait, the no, one yeah, terabyte yeah. drive, it was a four terabyte drive. Right. Four terabytes with 120 gigs of SSD memory. Yeah. yeah. But still, I don't think it's going to go... SATA Express, finally. Look, it's it, got SATA Express yes, on it. We yes, can yes. use the SATA Express ports. I agree. On a rotational drive. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> a hybrid drive. It's a hybrid. Okay. It's a hybrid okay. I'll give it that. And then uh, also, what launched, and actually we're testing right now, actually as we're speaking, there's benchmarks running on it, uh, Samsung 845 Data Center Evo. So it's basically an Evo, like an 840 Evo, but a data center version. What does that mean? So it's the the triple level cell flash with the single level cell cache okay. style, right? Yeah. That you can sell for pretty cheap, right? Uh, and these guys are supposed to be like around a dollar a gig. So this is a data center rated drive. Okay. For around a dollar dollar gig, which is very low for that. It's less expensive than the P thirty seven hundred. Yes, but it's, it's not, not going to go anywhere as fast because it's Fair SATA. Enough. Sorry. <laughs> uh, now, Austin, I don't know if I don't think I warned you beforehand of what this is—the hardware software pick of the week—and I think okay. we, we might be at a spot here where we're we're long enough on the show that we may have to skip it all completely. Does, Maybe. does anybody 
need to get their pick in this week? Is it time sensitive, Jeremy or Josh? Buy an MX100. They're dirt cheap. Okay, that's a good one. We kind of already talked about that as well. Josh? No, mine was just some crap. I know Alan's is not. not, not Mine's not time. time Mine was, I was going to pick it, but it wasn't released yet either. Oh. But, you know, hey. Hey, Austin, you got something you really want to talk about? I just got to say that the Ares 3, just... (laughs) Think back, just just think back, just a few months to when the 290X came out with the stock cooler, and remember it was like, ah, oh, it's just like it's throttling and this and that. Now a few months later, we have a single slot dual Hawaii card. That's kind of that 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 just kind of blows my mind at how quickly that kind of went along on the on the progression scale. So that how much <laughs> you know, does that thing weigh? I, just, I, I just want to get know my hands that. on that. I like the 295 a lot. It's probably a solid copper water block. It probably is, yeah. I mean, it's got to have some channels in it, but I mean, it's yeah, it's considering the Aries one was a solid copper dense. air heat sink. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be dense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was already I was already emailing Asus and Corsair <laughs> and everybody. I was like, hey, uh, I know you're busy with Computex, but here's a list of stuff I want. Uh, just making sure that these are in. We we have that aquarium PC to build. If you would go ahead and send us one of those. Oh yeah, we'll just put put mineral oil in the aquarium PC. No, Aries three in that. Bring a radiator in or something. Do that way, right? You have a water cooling guy here now. Just pump directly up to the barbs. Yes, perfect. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, see, Jeremy knows what's going on. Um. So I guess that's going to round up the show for us this week, guys. Austin, thanks for coming on. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Had a good time. Uh, uh, your input was was welcome. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, you know, if you uh, ever if you ever want to have like Josh on your show or something, you know, just let me know. I can lend him off. We're so sorry. <laughs> He's transferable in these fashions. So uh, <laughs> have you had your tetanus shot updated? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, yes, always a good uh, first question for an interview. Yeah. If not, I'll, just I'll bring a hazmat suit. Is that uh, so? Uh, if people want to uh, follow you or find you uh, anywhere on the internet, Austin, where is the best place for them to go? Twitter, YouTube, both. Twitter, for probably because I pretty much post all my videos on there, and I just love Twitter. But uh, yeah, you can find me uh, at Austin not Duncan on Twitter, as well as uh, YouTube.com/slash Austin Evans for all the tech videos. Can I ask you the source of the Twitter username? Okay, here we go. <laughs> I, uh, no, that's no big deal. Um, so I used to have an older username, and I was changing it over or pretty much across the internet. And uh, I just wanted to just pick, like, Austin Evans. However, I was able to get it on, like, Google Plus and YouTube. But for the most part, there happened to be a lot of Austin Evanses. So uh, I just grabbed Austin at Duncan because I like to be sarcastic, and I needed a username. So. And now you're stuck with it because you got all those followers. Yep. Yeah, and it's even my website now too. That's okay. Uh, it's it's it works. <laughs> hey, whatever whatever's catching in this branding. Hey, that yeah, works out well. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, that's at least a little bit memorable. Well, congratulations on the on the 500,000 subscribers and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's good stuff. Uh, and Thank uh, you. We'll have yeah. you on some other time. Um, yeah. Thanks, Duncan. So uh, for the rest of you guys, whatever. Uh, I'll see you. I'll see everybody later. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll have uh, the the ending of our Computex coverage for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll have some more stuff that will, will be happening this week, but it will probably be slowing down. Um, Thank goodness. I don't know if there's anything else happening next week. I'm I'm lost. We'll have more storage stuff. Well, yeah. Okay, Alan says we'll have storage stuff. So I'm still playing catch up from That's moving we'll across the uh, country. There might be a Titan Z coming Ooh. for testing. Ooh. 
Um, Z-Titan? I'd lay money on a Z97 or two. Might be Z-Titan. What do you think about running over a Titan Z? Like with a oh, yeah. In a video. There, was, there were guys resurfacing a parking lot the other day. Totally used one of those little like, mini bulldozer things. Yeah. So my dad owns excavation equipment. Oh. <laughs> I'm just throwing now that one out there. Sweet. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll can get bulletin card where we've right got now. excavation equipment. But you can only test the Titan Z in a system driving with uh, this guy. We, what we need to do is we need to put together a system that is the most expensive PC we can build with all the components here. Yeah. So both of the p 3700s yes. will get two 10-core Xeons. Yes. We'll do a Titan Z and a 295X2. Right. Right, and we'll do the Titan Z for PhysX. Uh-huh. PhysX. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, fastest <laughs> physics calculations wait, ever. Wait. We've got we've got we've got four four K monitors. We we can mine Bitcoin or Litecoin while we're gaming on the yes. Titan Z. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there you go. Mm. And we've got like we have a running list ever. of how much the bitcoins are worth to see if we can get someone actually scraping that stuff <laughs> off the tarmac afterward. <laughs> we have fifteen hundred watt power supply that could push it all. Uh. This is working out great. This will be a fan- and we've got an aquarium PC that we could fill with mineral oil to cool it all. Oh, this is going to be a great week. You're going to stick all that hardware in mineral oil. Week. That's not going to happen. Uh. <laughs> going to have the intern stick that hardware. In yeah, the, just reach your hand down in there and plug it in. I'm sure it's okay. fine. This <laughs> is totally inert don't worry about it mm-hmm. uh so that's gonna be it guys we'll see you next week i'm ryan trump i'm jeremy hallstrom i'm josh walrath i'm alan malentano and i'm austin evans see you guys thanks for watching Bye.